I'm Mark Kiskowitz, Executive Editor of MMNM, and welcome to the MMNM Podcast. I hope you're well and staying safe during this difficult time. My guest today is Ethan Lindenberger, the world-renowned vaccine advocate who's best known for his efforts fighting vaccine information online. And the topic of our podcast is the disturbing uptick in anti-vax activity, particularly on Facebook, who struggles to contain vaccine opponents, and in some cases, its refusal to make its site less divisive, has been well publicized. We'll discuss how the pandemic is accelerating this trend and how misinformation is spreading online. It seems to be affecting, to a greater extent, people who had not previously held anti-vaccine views. As well, we'll touch on how the rhetoric could affect the industry's efforts to promote an eventual COVID vaccine. An expedited vaccine was always going to be a tough sell, and results of a Gallup poll published August 7 showed that one in three Americans would not get a COVID-19 vaccine. So, Ethan, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, I'm glad I can be here. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Um, and uh, so let's just get started here. Um, Ethan, um, you know, uh, tell, tell us about how, um, you know, uh, vaccine opponents are um, you know, cha- kind of changing uh, tack uh, these days and how the pandemic has kind of affected things. Yeah, when it comes to vaccine misinformation, I think a lot of people are really confused on where this begins and how people even get to the point where they question what we believe is really valid science and what we know is true. And a lot of that starts with just this unassurance or questions in the classical foundations in medicine or government, and just this idea that people aren't competent or trustworthy, that are the ones who should be giving us the good information or that we should trust otherwise. So pharma industries or uh, medical professionals and medical organizations, especially the government itself, when our trust erodes in that, that's when we see uh, misinformation and hesitancy rise because those are the institutions that tell us that vaccines are important and safe and effective. So at a time with an outbreak like COVID-19 happening where government distrust and anger is on a rise because of this anger and um, aggravation with quarantine and our actual response to COVID-19, a lot more people have used that to spread misinformation saying, hey, you don't want to be quarantined. The government didn't handle COVID right. So how can you even trust them to handle other diseases? How can you trust them when they say vaccines are safe? And we see that that's manipulated and weaponized a lot by these people that misinform others. And it's caused a lot of people to also be more prone to have these questions. Mm, right. It's, it's sort of a dangerous uh, time. Um, you know, there was a study that appeared back in May uh, in the journal Science, uh, an analysis of more than 1,300 Facebook pages with nearly 100 million followers uh, that produced a, a network map. Um, and what they showed was that anti-vaccine pages had fewer followers than pro-vaccine pages, but are more numerous, faster growing, and increasingly more connected to undecided pages. Why do you think uh, that that you know, could be um, a dangerous uh, new, new turn? And, and, and how does that jive with what you're seeing on Facebook? Mm-hmm. Yeah, social media is a really confusing area when you talk about misinformation. And so for anyone that's listening to this podcast or anyone that is even online and present with social media, what they usually see is information that's garnered towards them. And so if they are a scientifically literate and smart individual, someone who is informed correctly, they're going to be more prone to see information that kind of lines up with that. That's how social media works. And for someone who's more misinformed, their information is going to kind of direct them along the lines of seeing more of that. They're going to join pages. They're going to be part of friend groups that continue to misinform their own circle. And so What we see with the growing trend is that these anti-vaccine pages and groups are kind of bleeding into other pages like the hesitant or questioning pages or even the pro-vaccine groups much more effectively. 
and much more commonly than we see the pro-vaccine groups doing because the people that are more misinformed are more active, more engaged, and honestly have more of a reason to be trying to convince others and spreading this misinformation. So when you look on Facebook and you see uh, a Facebook group about you know, talking to anyone about vaccines, just any questions are on the table. It's a slew of a lot of misinformation and a lot of people that believe vaccines are very dangerous. And their goal there isn't necessarily to have conversation, but more to continue spreading the ideology. And we also see more people that are literate and scientists and doctors of the like. They don't want to spend their time kind of like engaging with these people because it's already on top of their uh, their profession. And it's also really difficult to break down these these ideas as they keep just rebuilding themselves and more people come with more questions. And when you tear one thing down, people keep coming with another question. Um, so it's just really hard because then the, the weight of proof and the, uh, the burden of proof is on doctors and physicians and medical professionals that are already in a really demanding field, especially right now. Right. They're kind of, you know, spending a lot of their time, rightly so in fighting the pandemic on the front lines and so on and so forth. And uh, not a lot of time set aside necessarily to, to, to fight misinformation online. Yeah. Can, can you share some of the interactions that you've had on Facebook and you know, maybe how they differ from previous ones? Yeah, with Facebook, the difference in social media platforms is really specific because when you talk about social media's role in misinformation, you're not just talking about misinformation, how that spreads, because that's very concise and very um, scientific. You look at the factors that determine people's pro- like proneness to be misinformed almost so if you look at the factors it's like gender age parenthood um scientific education a lot of these things are very clear but when you talk about social media misinformation specifically that's also dealing with culture it's also dealing with the internet how information spreads how algorithms work so facebook is really specific in the way that it's user information and pages and everything function to heighten the amount of misinformation that spreads um, it's really, really bad at containing information, um, not letting it spread outwardly. And they've tried to make a ton of movements over the past two years to, to kind of quell that outbreak of misinformation on their site. Um, but compare it to Twitter, compare it to um, like Reddit or other sites that are usually uh, are information sharing sites. It's just not the same. And Facebook's platform also on the side of the actual concise factors has user base that is the age where most most people are misinformed around vaccines, which in the age of like 30 and 50, um, where they have children and most of the users on Facebook that are women find themselves being misinformed more because they're the ones typically that have that parental instinct or are mothers that are targeted by misinformation. And so there's just a lot of reasons there that Facebook suffers a lot. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the same reasons that any of us can be misinformed. It's weaponized uh, good intentions that are, are uh, directed towards things that are false. And so you're a mother, you're a caring parent, you're someone who has a family, or you're someone that just cares about your own personal health. And you have questions about um, the legitimacy of organizations that tell you to believe what they say. And so here's, we're going to take that good instinct and we're going to tell you things that aren't true. Um, but when we look at social media and stuff like that, there's a lot of other factors, especially with Facebook. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, um, you mentioned Facebook's uh, sort of inability to effectively curb the misinformation. Um, there was another study uh, that measured between May and June of 2020, uh, so clearly after the pandemic uh, began, that showed that anti-vaccination, um, a group of anti-vaxxers uh, had uh, garnered a total following of uh, 28 million people and saw their followers grow by 
854,000 just between, you know, those two months, May and June. Um, so it's, it's really um, something that's, as you pointed out, is, is picking up uh, and seems to be accelerating uh, under the pandemic and this environment that we're in. Yeah. And you also see that with uh, engagement rather than followers or likes, um, some of the largest anti-vaccine profiles will have, you know, hundreds and thousands of people that have liked that page and followed it. But that's very misleading because then those likes and follows are very, very small compared to the amount of engagements they've had, where people have seen their content, actually like watched the videos that they've shared. And so those are in the millions, as you pointed out. And so a lot of people don't understand that when they look and see like the largest groups have 400,000 followers. You know, they think, oh, that's really small compared to like the science Facebook group that has 8 million people that liked it. But that's not really mm -hmm. accurate, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the day also uh, with like what I've seen even personally, a lot of people adapt their their strategy of misinformation with the current times. And with COVID, a lot of anti-vaxxers have become anti-maskers. And a lot of anti-vaxxers have spread the message that masks and these precautions that we've taken for COVID aren't accurate and safe either or necessary. And so any opportunity that a lot of people can take to continue misinforming people and continue to gain their trust as like the sole um, uh, like uh, source of accurate information, the only like person who knows what's really going on, any opportunity they can take, they do take. And so, oh, like the government lies about vaccines and we're the only people that tell the truth. And now the government's lying about COVID and we're telling the truth again. And so it's not safe and it's not fair. But we're seeing that happen all over again with um, social media, especially a lot of people saying that mask and, you know, coronavirus and all that stuff is a hoax and not effective. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, a great point that, um, you know, even though these pages might have fewer followers compared to compared to the, you know, pro the pro you know, vaccine or the vaccine advocacy pages or the leg legitimate science pages, they're growing faster. And that's kind of really um, the concern here is, is that uptick uh, in the activity. Um, and, uh, you know, getting back to, you know, Facebook's efforts to curb it, you know, we, you know, when they take down a video, um, that just kind of fuels the anti-conspiracy theorists, right? Yeah, it does. And it's, it's really hard because when you look at the statistics around people that are misinformed, a huge percentage of those are people that are misinformed through family and friends. And so typically we see that people that uh, don't just jump from hesitant to misinformed but are just have no clue about anything with vaccines and see something and believe it it's because they trust that person that's sharing that information and so when you take that down it kind of fuels this message a lot of people are sharing to their relatives and to their friends that that uh information is being suppressed or that their ideology or their view is being um like quieted and and the truth doesn't want to be revealed and as people continue to see that message being spread by people they do trust it's hard to ignore that. And it's a difficult uh, balance to kind of strike because Facebook has always struggled with the idea of we are a platform that values free speech. And we also are a, a platform that values the safety of our users. And so vaccine misinformation is very dangerous. But at the same time, people do have a right to say what they want. And when they just strike down post, it kind of works against them multiple ways. People are claiming, oh, well, my freedom of speech is being taken away. And then they say, you're suppressing what I want. And this platform is, you know, obviously has a bias and that continues to fuel misinformation. And so Facebook has really struggled because some of their other approaches, like um, not uh, kind of um, showing you these, these posts through the algorithm and having the al algorithm favor um, good information, even when you shouldn't really get it. Um, and showing even people that are misinformed a couple posts that are pro-science. 
stuff like that has what they've tried to do. And they've also tried to change the search bar to where when you search um, on Facebook vaccines, the top 10 results aren't anti-vax pages anymore. They used to be. So they've, they've changed a lot of smaller stuff like that. Wow. Okay. And as you pointed out, um, the other social media platforms have been more effective, uh, such as Reddit and Twitter. Um, I think that's, that's what you were saying. Yeah. Do you um, see a, well, what, how, how, you know, elaborate on that a little bit. Why are they more effective? Yeah. So in my experience, you know, I was working with a um, disinformation nonprofit called Av- Avaz. And they usually work out of like Europe, Middle East area. Um, like kind of more Eastern approaches to these like these issues. Um, but they were also working here in like kind of the Western area in the United States um, to combat disinformation around vaccines. Um, and they asked me to go speak to the executives of Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And when I sat down with them, I talked to the Twitter group. It was like seven, eight executives um, that were like right below um, like their CEOs with, with like Jack Dorsey. Like these executives like listened to us talk about disinformation how it impacts people like i talked about my mom and how social media like really impacted her decisions with my family's health like some of those people even like cried in that meeting you know the twitter executives were very understanding and said they really want to help and Mm -hmm. some of the things we talked about was how like with twitter at the time this is about maybe 10 months ago um with twitter at the time you could look up anti-vax hashtags and get a ton of anti-vax tweets and just easily find yourself in this bubble they removed that pretty soon after that um, and Twitter has worked a lot to when you look up anti-vax hashtags, it will say, hey, don't go here, go to like uh, the WHO's website and stuff like that. They'll redirect you. Facebook, when we talked to them, it was very like uh, kind of uh, distancing themselves from the responsibility of their platform and saying that we can't control people say uh, we understand that this has been a big deal. We're trying to lower the algorithms approach to giving you this information, um, but it's hard. It's complicated. We're trying. And Facebook is really difficult with how they manage their site, especially in that way, um, because some of the other platforms, just on a personal level, manage this differently. Um, Facebook is very institutionalized, very um, capitalistic in their mindset. And Facebook also really suffers from the fact that their staff is so like culturally ingrained this idea that it's freedom of speech. You can say whatever you want. We don't want to hinder that. And it's, you don't have a right to hurt people. And you don't have a right to hurt other people's health. And that's what misinformation does, what, especially about vaccines. Um, so that's just been a huge cultural barrier that we've faced. And so despite the platform's um, specific like technology or their user base or anything like that, the culture is a really big deal. Sure. Yeah. Fascinating. And, uh, you know, I'm sh- this, this is also part of a greater kind of misinformation problem um, and, and sort of an anti-science movement where, you know, um, we, we see, you know, the uh, our public health authorities, you know, constantly uh, under fire, even um, from amongst some people, uh, you know, in our own government. Um, and, um, and that doesn't help things, uh, uh, obviously. Um, and, you know, nor does, does social media's uh, censorship approach to the extent, you know, they, they try to use it, uh, as, as, as you pointed out. And, you know, speaking of that, you know, these trends probably don't bode well for selling a future COVID-19 vaccine, which was always going to be, I think, a tough sell to the American public, given that, you know, it was under an accelerated time frame. And that um, already kind of leads to distrust in terms of people worrying, hey, you know, what kind of corners are being cut here in testing the safety and efficacy of this shot in order to get it, you know, to the American public in such a, a fast time frame? How do you see this trend impacting industry's efforts to promote a COVID shot sometime down the line? 
I think that the anti-vax movement has been preparing and fueling themselves to attack a COVID vaccine for months now. Um, even at the beginning of the pandemic, they could easily see that that's where this direction was going. And for many months now, we've been talking about a COVID immunization and what needs to happen for that, how long it will take. And every day we're seeing developments about, you know, Harvard developing a vaccine, uh, developments with testing and Fauci talking about how it looks really good and the direction we're going. And great news that soon we'll start seeing opposed by anti-vaxxers claiming that these corners have been cut, that it's unsafe, and that at the end of the day, this vaccine is something that we cannot take. Um, Andrew Wakefield, back in the 90s, I believe, like mid-90s, attacked the MMR vaccine, claiming that it caused autism, and the immunization rate for the MMR vaccine dropped dramatically. Hmm. Um, And specifically, it was the MMR vaccine. Like, it wasn't just all immunizations. That's what the, Mm -hmm. the idea was at first. And if you look at that, you see that it just dramatically dropped in the UK. And now worldwide, people think that immunizations just overall cause autism. And so it's just fascinating to see how one individual, um, one individual, and you're good, um, one individual can take a specific vaccine, target it, spread something that's so outlandish and makes no sense, and it can go well beyond the, the reaches that he ever intended. And so look at the COVID vaccine. What if Andrew Rayfield decides to say that COVID immunizations cause Down syndrome, and now we have a whole new autism issue? Like, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's so easily predictable. Right. And it's a huge issue for, um, for public health because we still struggle with MMR immunization rates, still. No, that was a really great point. And so just to follow on that, how should industry um, working, you know, in this difficult atmosphere um focus their efforts um I'm talking about the biopharma industry you know in terms of uh you know if we get a shot uh by even 2021 let's say um how should they um change up their messaging or their promotional efforts to you know in light of all this anti-vaccination sentiment that's out there I think that the biggest thing that needs to be advertised and spoken about to continue advocating for a COVID vaccine or other public health measures, even right now, is the biggest issue is this, this misconception that COVID's not dangerous. And mm-hmm. so the advertisement and the idea that needs to be spread and marketed is that we've had like more than 100,000 people that have died. We've had you know people that have lost their lives and need to be recognized. And that's a lot of people, um, especially in a public health uh, atmosphere. The amount of lives we've lost to COVID is just something that we never want to see. We never want to be in that situation. And so as we talk about COVID and people are saying, oh, it's not dangerous for someone who's my age or, you know, in my life situation or someone of of my health, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I'm a healthy young man. But no, it's not the case. The advertisement needs to say like, hey, we are working to continue uh, adding these precautions. There's a COVID vaccine now. You need to get it. Why? Because if you don't get it, what if you get sick? And your grandmother, your father, your family member, your friend gets sick and dies. You're not the only person who is healthy. There are other people who aren't healthy, who aren't going to be okay if they get sick. And so take the precaution now for yourself and for other people. And that's the biggest thing when it comes to immunizations and why they're so important. And personally for me, that's why I decided to get immunized in the first place was because I knew it wasn't about my health. It was about public health and other people's health. And that's the message that needs to be shared. You know, Mm -hmm. you are immunizing that for yourself. You're not taking precautions. You're not not wearing a mask for yourself. Even you are doing these things to protect the public health and other people's health. And if you don't, it could cause other people to lose their lives. Um, That's just a really important message that is tried and true. and needs to be shared over and over again. 
Um, and it's not exclusive to vaccines, um, you know, masks and anything, just public health like that. Right, right. That's, that's a really great point. It's not doing it just for your for yourself, but for, for your loved ones, for other people, um, even for the public at large. And we should mention, of course, the latest numbers of over 151,000 deaths in the U.S. and 4.8 million confirmed cases. So it's, uh, you know, really, um, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, a, grow, a growing problem, um, this, this recent spike. Um, and anything we can do to get it under control, uh, we, we should we should try to do, including this uh, fighting this, this misinformation uh, campaign online. Um, just a couple other questions here. We'll let you go. Um, you know, obviously, you you know uh, sprang to the, the public's attention, so to speak, um, back in November 2018 uh, when you you know famously um, you know went against your parents' advice uh, to to get vaccinated, went online to to get more information. How would you sum up the atmosphere? since then, uh, you know, now versus then? I mean, the atmosphere online, you mean? Yes. I would say the atmosphere online is the same. I would say that most people online are pro-science and educated and understand the value of public health. When you look at most people talking about the pandemic, most people, and I'm saying most because a lot of people aren't, um, most people are supportive of like Fauci and health industries and departments and people working to combat COVID-19. The same can be said for people that are working towards immunizations, and most people support immunizations. The problem is, is that it's not most that is the problem. It's that the little and the few, the, of, few amount of people that don't agree with public health measures, that don't agree with the value of vaccines, can cause some serious damage, as you've seen. Mm-hmm. And so even if only 15 10%, 5% of people aren't wearing their mask, aren't getting immunized, aren't taking the precautions they need to with social distancing, we see that causes a tremendous impact on how other people, other people get sick, you know? Because if someone's not wearing their mask, someone's not social distancing, that's maybe one of 5% people aren't doing it. And that's a very, very liberal estimate of, of who's not doing that, right? Mm-hmm. They could get someone who's uh, taking this very seriously sick. And that's a really unfair uh, reality of public health. And so most people online are very supportive and very vocal. But the problem is that it's not most that we're gaining for. It's everyone. And it's not most people that need to believe this. Is that everyone needs to be on board when the public health is threatened and we need to really react uh, quickly and with a really fierce, aggressive and um, concise campaign to to attack these diseases that come up, COVID or anything else. So for me, when I went online, I said, hey, I'm going to get immunized. I haven't been immunized for the past 18 years and I want to change that. People were very supportive. And I also knew that most people that were supporting me were probably someone, people of my age or older, people that are probably educated and people that also just are one of like the 80, 90% that typically just believe vaccines are safe and effective. Um, so the, the social media presence of these people is there. It's just that at the end of the day, that 10% is way more, it's way larger than it needs to be. Yes, you mentioned the unfair realities of, of public health. I mean, it's, it's a really good way of putting it. And, and uh, this, this misinformation problem really demands um, serious attention uh, and an aggressive you know, response uh, because we've, we've seen that even the few you know, have amplified effects. Uh, so uh, you, you spoke very eloquently there. Okay, so I, I know you've been doing a lot of uh, other media interviews as well. Um, any highlights there? I know you were talking to uh, like some overseas outlets. Yeah, a lot of people have just been worried about the COVID vaccine. This is the biggest thing. And so I've talked to numerous individuals across the world um, asking about the COVID vaccine, the dangers we could see if it comes out and people don't get it. And a lot of these uh, worries that the public health has had um, just from a little while now. And those worries will always be there because we can never trust the atmosphere of uh, like the current 
political and you know social climate to to believe the things we're saying and you know that's something that i will probably continue working on for the next two or three years um maybe more because at the end of the day vaccines are not like uh here and done topic they're constantly evolving there's a new vaccine that will usually be developed every year um when it comes to like a new disease or an old disease that's being you know uh, new vaccines coming out for it and you know these worries these questions will never go away there will always be people that always be people that are misinformed or have the reason and the incentive to misinform others. And so as long as that's happening, I'm going to continue doing this and they will keep me busy for a long time. I imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, well, we're very lucky to have, you know, a vaccine advocate uh, such as yourself, you know, out there in the trenches fighting this problem. We, you know, just thank you on behalf of uh, everybody, you know, that you're fighting the good fight and, uh, you know, keep, keep up the efforts. All right. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Sure. And, and thank you for uh, for joining us. You know, as always, we really appreciate it, Ethan. Um, just a couple of housekeeping items. Uh, we have a couple of surveys online now at MMM online uh, that you might be interested in out there. Uh, the best places to work survey just went live this week, uh, as well as the career and salary survey. Um, and these are opportunities for us to uh, uh, sort of uh, give an accurate picture of, uh, you know, how the pandemic has affected uh, work. Uh, in the uh, biopharma industry, um, as well as salary. So please uh, go online and, and uh, give us your responses there. Um, so uh, once again, I want to thank Ethan uh, for joining us. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, as always, to speak with you. Um, and uh, thank you, everybody out there for listening. And we'll see you next time on the MMNM Podcast. Take care, everybody.